Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Find a great team with a great track record of success, team up with them, and just figure out how to add value to that team and figure out how to get involved in a lot of deals. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe that's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe they're going to give you a free 30 minute goal strategy session they'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe again if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. Mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Dave Zook. How you doing, Dave? Good, Joe. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Dave. He is the founder and CEO at The Real Asset Investors and owner at Horizon Structures. He is an active multifamily real estate investor and resort community developer. He serves on the board of the local RIA 
and teaches and mentors locally, and he's based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So with that being said, Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? I'm actually in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is not far outside of Philadelphia. So background, I grew up out in the country, and I grew up in our family business. My dad still has a manufacturing business where we build modular buildings, and he was a real estate investor, a little different than I am. He basically parked his money in real estate because he really didn't know what to do with his excess cash. It actually turned out to work very well for him. Just in the last probably three, four years ago, I was able to help him transition some of the farms that he bought and 1031 them into multifamily real estate. But I watched him do real estate throughout my teenage years, and I sort of made a note to self that I was never going to be a real estate investor. He self-managed some of his own real estate, and I just didn't look too attractive to me. And late teens, I started investing in some of my own businesses. And it wasn't real long until I got into a situation where I was paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax a year. So I got exposed to some Robert Kiyosaki and went down that path. And I kept hearing him talk about how you could make millions of dollars a year without paying tax. And that was really intriguing to me because I was always taught that to make a lot of money, you got to pay a lot of tax. And so by doing a lot of studying and going to live events and doing webinars, and I was just really hungry and searching. By doing that, I ran into the right people and ran into a lot of good folks that helped kind of point me in the right direction after I learned that I needed real estate as a tax protection vehicle. And all of a sudden, I went from not wanting to do real estate at all to I wanted a whole bunch of it and couldn't hardly make it happen fast enough. But It was kind of a paradigm shift, and that kind of brings me to where we're at today. So just to give the best ever listeners who aren't familiar with your background, and me, quite frankly, because we just met some more perspective on your track record or your experience, how can we quantify the total transactions you've done or total amount of properties you currently own or something along those lines? Since about 2010... We closed on 27 or 2,800 apartment units. We're also the lead investor at the resort at Mahogany Bay Village in Belize. So that's what we've been up to in the last couple of years. I got into the space because I had a serious tax problem, and I was looking to shield myself. But it turned out that there was a lot of other benefits beside that, and I sort of got hooked. So been real busy since 2010, did a lot of multifamily units. 27 to 2,800 units as of about last week. And we typically don't sell. We buy and hold. So do you currently have around 27 to 2,800 or have you sold just one or two of them so you have that now? Yes. When you say we, does that mean that you bring in accredited investors and partner with them on these deals? That is correct. I'm a syndicator. So I'll put the deal together. My partner and I, we do a lot of business in Memphis in the multifamily space. And my partner, who is also my property manager, him and his team live in Memphis. So they're boots on the ground guys. He's partnered with me. And typically, the way our structure works, my partner and our broker will find a deal. My partner will take his team out, and they'll really look at the deal and do all the due diligence on it. And then they'll bring it to me. And at that point, I've got a bunch of questions, obviously. And we'll look at it together and decide, yep, we want to do it. 
and then it gets rolled over in my plate. It's my job to go out and find the money. So I'm the guy that takes care of uh, the investors, going out and telling the story about the property. We'll go to closing, we'll do the deal, and then it rolls back over into my partner's plate, and he manages it for us. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a three-pronged approach between our broker, who's the best broker in the city, has been doing this for over 30 years. Him and his three-man team are involved in almost half the transactions in the city of Memphis in multifamily, 20 units or larger. So a really good guy on that side, very good at managing C and B-class multifamily apartments. And then, of course, I'm on the other side of the transaction bringing the money. Who's your partner in Memphis, the management company? Gary is called WI Memphis. He doesn't do any third-party management, but he manages all of our properties. Did you say WI as in Will Igloo Memphis? Yes. And you're based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So clearly you're not a short drive to Memphis. So you've got to have a lot of trust in Gary and his team, but obviously you go visit the property before you speak to investors about it, right? Not every time. I'll get the story. I usually get down to the market about twice a year. Sometimes, like last Friday, I ran down just to meet a group of investors that had expressed interest and wanted to go down and see what we were doing. So I'll make a quick trip like that down there, but I do trust my team. Of course, I see a lot of pictures. I get some videos. I rely heavily on my team down there. So I don't necessarily have to go down and see every deal we do before we do it, but I'm usually able to get the whole story on it and really be able to kind of get my arms around it before I go out to investors and tell them about it. Do you invest in every one of the deals you personally? Absolutely. I'm typically in every deal at six figures, and sometimes I'm in the deal for a couple hundred thousand. It really depends. Sometimes I get pushed all the way down to 100 if there's so much demand that I can only get 100, but typically I try to get in for for the end of the six figures. How much would you say in equity you have raised since you've been doing this? And if since you've been doing this 2010, then for the last seven years? Total in the multifamily, in our project in Belize, in ATM machines, you're probably looking at between 30 and 40 million. Let's just go with 40 million. Of that 40 million, how much is from one person or group? There are several investors who are invested with me well into the seven figures? That's a good question. I could do the research for you if you give me more time. I'm shooting from the picture, <laughs> but there's probably eight or ten investors that are in my group that I can pretty much count on that they'll be involved in every deal that I do. And then there's some that are not quite as liquid, not able to move quite that fast and get to three hundred thousand a year. But there's several that are in, there's quite a few that are involved in the seven figures. Of the eight to 10 that are involved in the seven figures, tracing back all the way to your points of origin when you met them, how did you meet them? There is some that I walked up and just introduced myself, drove to their house, told them what I was doing, showed them the numbers. And what really helped was I was able to show them what I was doing. I started in this business investing in multifamily on my own for myself. I had a tax problem. I needed some tax shelter. We get creative on that side. So I was able to approach some of the people that I knew that had some 
investable income and just tell my story. But probably for the most part, if I would pinpoint and go back to each one of those guys, a lot of the guys were from referrals. People that had invested with me and then said, hey, I got a friend, and they'd give me a third-party endorsement, and we ended up doing a deal together, and just one thing led to the next, and next thing you know, they're a really faithful investor. And to give you an example, we just closed a 373-unit building last month. We raised $3.5 million, and about 85% of those investors had invested with me in other deals. So they were current investors and just coming back for another round. I love hearing that first because you're delivering and the strongest influencer of purchaser intent is word of mouth referrals. So that's great. And I've noticed that in my business too. But I want to peel back a little bit because if they were from referrals, then you had already done business with the person who was referring them. So you said that people who you knew who were wealthy those were the people who you went to initially. But how did you know those people who were wealthy? I want to trace back the origins. And the reason why I'm asking is for the best ever listeners who are listening and they want to start raising money, I want to uncover how you originally got your first investors and how specifically you met them. There's a couple of things that are very important, I think. And one is your reputation. All my life, I lived in the Lancaster area. In fact, I now live within two miles of where I was born and raised. So having a good reputation in your local market is a great start. We're well known in the community for the business we've done there. So also, I guess another area was two years back, I was invited to sit on the board of a local startup bank. And it was actually, I think, the first bank that has received a charter license from the FDIC since the 2008 meltdown. I was listening to conversations that went something like this. These guys were talking back and forth. And I knew most of these guys around the table, about a dozen guys, and they were talking about investing in this bank and wanting to know if it was a good idea and a wise investment. And I heard conversations like, well, we may not see a return for five to seven years, but it's better than putting our money in a CD. I was just blown away. I was amazed that at that conversation – And I got to looking at what I was doing in the multifamily space and got to thinking, man, how can I add value to these guys? And it was about the time I had bought a couple hundred units of my own, and I was sort of coming to the point where I was running out of cash. I had to slow down. And then I talked to another friend of mine who was on that board as well and ran the idea by him about syndicating and teaming up with these guys. And he thought it was a great idea. So the next deal that came along, I needed 850000 to get the deal done. And I went to see some of these individuals and some guys that I knew were able. It was about getting around the right people and about having a good relationship in the community and being able to go out there and talk to people that knew and, and trusted me. The development in Belize, is that a ground-up development? It is. We started building that about a little over three and a half years ago. And when I got involved, there was four homes there that were not occupied, and the rest of it was a bare piece of land, 67 acres, with some canals dug in the length of the piece of property. So I got involved in that project. I was looking for diversification investment, but I really got involved because I knew the people that were involved, and I knew the developers, and I had gotten to the point where I would really had good relationship with the developers. I had done business with them before. I trusted them. So I really invested in a team on that one. Did you bring in investors into that deal? 
I did. We're the lead investor. That's right. I think, I think you mentioned that. So my question is, the reason why for those first two questions is, how much more challenging, if at all, is it to raise equity for a ground-up development compared to a established business, i.e. a multifamily deal that currently exists? If you can raise money for a development offshore, <laughs> you can raise money for pretty much anything. So it's a lot harder. The first thing people think when they hear, number one, about development, the red flag flies up about risk. The success rate isn't that great. And there's the wait time and there's the risk. And then when you throw in the offshore <laughs> part, the international part, I mean, there's you know, now all kinds of red flags pop up. So yep. it's a lot harder. Well, let's dig into that. The only other thing that I've come across as comparable, and I think you actually win on this one, but Dave Van Horn, he's in your area, I believe, too. He raises money for upside-down mortgages, so distressed notes. It's like that would be a tough one, but I think with your international play, you've taken the cake on this. So what are some typical objections, and what is your response to those questions? Well, the questions have changed a lot since the project has matured. Somebody that says to me that sounds really risky now, to me, 95% of the risk has been taken out of the project. I mean, we're now scheduled to open in November. All 205 homes in phase one of the resort are completed. Early stage questions. When you were first getting started. Early stage questions. There's a lot about the team and who's involved and the government and the laws and what if they change the laws and confiscate all your assets and what's your answer to that the law is british common law so it's very similar to the united states the property rights laws are very strong much like the united states and very unusual for that part of the country down in central america south america there is most of the laws are not british common law and a lot of those countries foreigners can't even own real estate personally and and there's parts of Mexico the foreigner can't come in and own property within so many feet or so many miles of the beach so the really desirable stuff is not available to you as a foreigner so that's a big one property rights laws very similar to the United States that was a big one for a lot of folks Mm -hmm. and then as far as investing your own money into a ground up development what are some of the things that you look for? You mentioned the team, and is that the primary focus when you look at something other than the numbers that are projected? That's definitely the most important thing for me. My theory is a really good team can make something out of a bad situation. A mediocre team will screw up a really, really good situation. So to me, it's always about team first. And then, of course, you want to look at the data and you want to look at the market. You want to look at all the drivers behind all the reasons why you'd want to invest in that market. But to me, it starts with the team. And that's international, that's domestic, whatever business I do in the ATM business, to me, it's always about the team first. That's where I do the most due diligence. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Find a great team with a great track record of success. Team up with them and just figure out how to add value to that team and figure out how to get involved and just do a lot of deals. And you said you do the most due diligence in the team. 
for a best ever listener who is pretend they were listening to this interview when your Belize project was just starting and there was higher degree of risk in the project and they needed to qualify the team, what would be ways that if you were them that you would qualify the team? Those really are traditional ways. You can get on Google and just dig as far as you can dig there. But typically when I get ready to invest my investor's capital into a deal and I'm doing it with a new partner, I'll do a LexisNexis. For those of you listeners who do not know what that is, it's basically a real in-depth background check. It covers bankruptcy, fraud, felonies, pretty much anything you can imagine shows up on that. So I do that. I'm doing business with a guy now. We just closed an 88-unit deal last week. It was the first deal we did. So I knew the guy for three years. He was a good friend. We were in the same real estate mentoring club together, watched him do a couple deals, actually quite a few deals, and just decided that he was a guy that I wanted to do business with. Even with our background and with me knowing him for a good long time, watching him do deals and, and coming with some good third-party endorsements, from some other folks that I knew and trusted, I still had a LexisNexis done on him. So it's just another form of due diligence to make sure that you're doing the best you can to protect your investors' capital. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Bring it. All right, we will bring it, but first a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30 minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com. Best ever book you've read? I would have to say Rich Dad Poor Dad. Best ever deal you've done? In real estate? Yes. Okay. Best ever deal I've done, we did a 286-unit multifamily building that we projected to our investors that we would return around a 10% cash-on-cash return. We've been delivering 12%. It's on a 15-year AM. It's a great property, 286-unit, and it runs like a cash machine. You've got me intrigued about when you had to clarify if it was real estate or not. So best ever investment you've done? Well, I would have to say my business. I have a sales and marketing company. It's interesting timing here because I just had a valuation done on it. I was just sitting with my CPA this morning because I'm getting ready to sell a portion of it to my three brothers. And it turns out the rate of return on that business based on the amount of money that I invested in it 15 years ago, it's crazy. So I would say my own business. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Teaming up with the wrong person. Teaming up with a syndicator who I was hoping to learn the syndication space. And it was early in my real estate investing career. 
I was wanting to learn a lot from him. He talked a really good game, and I invested. I actually became the only syndicate I was the only investor in the deal <laughs> and invested $750,000 cash of my own in the deal and lost most of it. So teaming up with the wrong person. How did you lose it? Was it fraud or was it just mismanagement and just terrible oversight? Terrible oversight. It was a situation where it was a heavy rehab job and it was just incompetence. The guy wasn't able to get the job done. He wasn't able to do what he said he would do and it was ugly. Yeah. How long ago was that? I got into the deal, I think, around 2011, 12, something like that. And when did the torture end? Last year. Almost half a million dollars. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Give back beyond giving money to organizations I believe in. I like to do that, but I also like to inspire, motivate, and teach young entrepreneurs, young investors that are looking to make their mark in the world and make a difference. So I love to sit down with those guys and help them any way I can. I look at it as a, as a form of tithing. I like to tithe in monetary ways, but I also like to tithe in some time where I feel I can invest in a young person's life that is out there, is hungry, trying to learn, trying to get some ideas. And if I can motivate and inspire someone like that, I love it. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Info at therealassetinvestor.com. Dave, thank you for being on the show. You've raised over $30 million in the last seven years. So clearly we've got many things we can learn from you. From initially when you met your first investors and that had a domino effect into larger investors where you sat on the board of a local startup bank and you heard them talking about how if they could just beat a CD, a certificate of deposit, then it would be a good investment. And your reputation too, just building your reputation over time, as well as how that, as I mentioned just a second ago, spirals into, or rather evolves into the referrals where you fund a deal for 3 million bucks, 85% are returning investors. And then your suggestion for best ever listeners who are doing due diligence on potential real estate partners, do a LexisNexis search. It looks at their debt, their background check, bankruptcies, frauds, felonies, all that good stuff. And then the cautionary tale of losing half a million dollars on a project where the team just fell flat on their face because they just didn't do what they said they were going to do on a heavy rehab job. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your lessons learned, Dave. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Joe. And if I can add value to your listeners, somebody is starting out, they want to shoot me an email, I'd be happy to help. I also have a little write-up on the eight lessons from syndicators and their investors. If somebody's interested and they want to get a copy of that, I'd be happy to send it out to them. All they have to do is send me an email at info at therealassetinvestor.com. I'll send a copy to them. And thanks for having me on your show. It was fun. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. 
That's targetmarketinsights.com.